0: This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Leadership Transformation Platform, Multiplying Authentic Leaders, Moving Society. As always, a pleasure to be with you for our next Leadership Master Class. I'm Adrian Hulnewald with me, the old man, Louis Hulnewald. And for all things leadership, go to leadershipplatform.com, one word, two P's. And our Leadership Master lesson, I would call it today, uh, is a conversation with Dr. Yopi De Beer, CEO of JVR Africa Group. It's wonderful to have her with us. Yopi, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Great to be here.
0: We're um, excited to to have you as part of our platform. Uh, this is what we do on a weekly basis. We have authentic leadership conversations with top leaders, experts, uh, all kinds of individuals. And today is no exception. But I think before we ask you to share with us a couple of thoughts on authentic leadership, and then an article that you wrote, the theme was negative consensus on leadership among South Africans – Calls for Resilience. So a couple of things jumped out in that article to me. So we'll discuss that for a few minutes after discussing authentic leadership. But first, your business, JVR Africa Group. Tell us about that quickly.
1: Yes, um, I started my professional life in, as a psychologist and in academia and then decided to become an entrepreneur and we established this business 24 years ago. It started uh, under the name of European von and Rainer Partners and we have absolutely been uh, blessed in the sense that we now have four companies within the group. The one company is a consulting group, consulting psychologists, doing leadership development research in that field. Uh, second company is JVR Psychometrics. We work with assessments, developing assessments, validating assessments, using the results for research purposes. We've got a third company which does a lot of skills development. Um, professional training skills development, and a fourth company that specializes in the human side of safety. So they would typically work in mining environments or in manufacturing type of contexts.
0: Okay. And how fast did those 24 years go? Very, very, very quickly. <laughs> it does when you're having fun or when things are tough or and running a business.
1: Uh, Just working extremely hard. So the mm-hmm. one year flows into the next year, into the next year. Um, Twenty-four
0: years—it's nothing.
1: It's absolutely nothing.
0: I mean, it, it sounds like, well, okay, it's been a while, but actually, it's yeah. just—it's a blink of an yeah. eye, isn't
1: it? A, a business is never done, so there's always something new that needs to be done, or something that needs to be finished, or or done better. So uh, yes, it's just absolutely gone by in a wink of an eye.
0: So, so it sounds like your business evolved and changed quite a lot over the years. You've added to it because we have to reinvent ourselves in yes. this crazy world we live in, yes. where things change just faster and faster at a, yeah. at a higher rate
1: yeah it's so interesting even in the in the uh, context of human behavior because that's where we specialize in talent and talent development there's a lot of disruption that's happening a lot of innovation that needs to be done apart from from an entrepreneurial side to establish a business is not as easy as it sounds So you need to create the structures and You need to create the, the, the or, or Employ the right people and, and make sure that the product Is actually something that, that Still
2: appeals to clients out there Yeah uh, Doctor you speak of some quantum Leaps here mm-hmm. from academia That's one thing mm-hmm. and then to Go to consulting that's another thing mm-hmm. Yes But you also took the leap to become an entrepreneur. Yes. And that's complete different. So you speak of a whole set of skill sets here that each one we know from a lot of experience. It's not all that easy it's definitely
1: not easy, and I mean we 're not talking about entrepreneurship today but i 'm passionate about the fact that it 's not as easy as it sounds um, when you look back over twenty four years to actually stay abreast and uh, of competition and of new ideas and go through all the cycles of organizational development through the infancy into the adolescent phase and and to make sure that you don 't at some point stagnate all of those things are really tricky. And um, not every person can do that Although I think many If they just understand what these processes are about Would be able to manage it a little bit more easily
0: We're almost going in, a, in, a, in a, on an a important tangent I want to mm. say But we know most fail Yes uh, So it's the, the dilemma between Um uh, starting something ignorantly is almost better than starting it knowing what what to expect because when you start it ignorantly, then you start. Yes. If you expect too much and you know what it's going to be like, you maybe won't start in many instances. Uh, so, So, um... So I don't know how you find that balance as a, as, a individual as an individualized entrepreneur. I
1: absolutely agree with you. I think where you, you need to start with excitement and enthusiasm and really believing, really being optimistic that the product I'm going to put out into the market is going to make a difference. People mm. need it. They're going to love it. So you have to start with that. So it is like a jump of faith to some extent. Mm. Extremely exciting. Um, or it should be Not everybody who goes into entrepreneurship Does it in exactly the same way Some people do it because there is no other choice uh, yeah. But when you really do it from a passion point of view um, it just, it's, you don't have a choice. It's something you have to do. And then comes with that, the responsibility on the one hand, the extremely hard work, because you never stop working. This is a seven days a week, 24 hours, where you're busy thinking about it, planning, having ideas, learning in the process, making massive mistakes, and being able to learn from that, pick up and just go forward. But I think what pulls you through has to be the optimism, on the one hand, but the absolute belief that your product is something that's essential.
0: You better had enjoy um, entrepreneurship itself or at least be passionate about your service and, and how you can change the world. Absolutely. A lot of people have that part and that keeps them going through those difficult entrepreneurial cycles. Yeah. But let's kick off with authentic leadership. Yes. Just share with us a couple of statements, starting with your first one of what most described to you authentic leadership. Dr. Yopi to be
1: I think the one thing that stands out for me is honesty.
0: Okay. So,
1: what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, from a psychology point of view, it's absolutely critical that um, it, this is basic knowledge, I know that. But the, the message you put across, let's say about 75% of your message is the nonverbal stuff. It's not what you say, it's how you act, how you show it. So from that point of view, um, the, the fact that you're honest, that there is an alignment between what you say, what you believe, what you want other people to do, and the way you act as well. Okay. Um, so so that honesty, what you see is what you get, what you see today is what you will see tomorrow tomorrow. Um, you can, so it's yeah. first
0: honesty in your in your in your yes. verbal expression of whatever you're saying, perhaps yes. your verbal communication, yes, and that should usually translate back into your your non-verbal yes. communication, your body language, how you carry yourself. Um, but but you seem to emphasise the second one more because that is what's most important, isn't? Yeah. Unless you're on on radio, type platform, your voice and your message and your words mean a heck of a lot. But usually. We're engaging people, and our body language is where they pick up your honesty. or, or And you can just sense it, can't you? I, I don't know. Can your message be dishonest, but your body language come across as honest?
1: I th- I sometimes think that your body is more honest than what your mouth actually does. Yeah. Um, I think a very basic example of that, and we all experience that, when you're going to a shop and you want to buy something, and you ask the shop assistant, is this really the best whatever washing machine or printer? You pick up, whether you know it or not, but you pick up that person's own ambiguity and ambivalence. And chances are excellent, even though the word said, this is the best washing machine on the market, that you actually pick up the second message that says, I'm actually not convinced. I don't have that. Mm. Um, And I think in leadership, that becomes even more important because people follow you, watch you really closely And it's really important for them that there be um, alignment, which Mm. is actually the second characteristic I'm I'm going to talk about, which is congruency. Okay. Um,
0: So before we go to congruency, Louis, anything
2: on the honesty element in authentic leadership? Yes, we we speak a great deal in our case about authentic leadership and by implication – We oppose toxic leadership, but we've got to, in our country especially. Uh, But, Doctor, um, what strikes me, though, is the price you pay if you're not honest. Now, for instance, honesty is something simple, childlike about that. It takes great integrity and vulnerability. Uh, Could you just comment, though, on the price you pay if you're not honest? What actual triggers and signs are you sending out there? and the problems you are causing yourself anyway. So ultimately, from a leadership point of view, being honest is very practical. Yeah. Um, Any comments on that? I think you do two things if you're not honest.
1: The one thing you do is that you're actually placing what I would call emotional labor on yourself because it's extremely difficult to remember if if you're not being absolutely honest, what did I say about this last time? Um, how did I manage this last time? So there's a emotional labor that you take on in your, in your own case. So it becomes easier if your decision is whether there's vulnerability to that. Just be honest. Um, the second thing that ha- happens is that it is really important that people trust you. Uh, it goes a little bit to, to our view on what leadership is all about, where it, it's, it's actually not position, and it's not necessarily these characteristics and traits that may bring you into a leadership position. It is what you do with that. So um, our way of looking at, at leadership is leadership shows when people are able to build a team, which is different um, but the team has to perceive that leader to be trustworthy, to be honest. And if they don't perceive the leader to be trustworthy and honest, you are really going to work hard to try and build the team and get the team or the department or the organisation to flourish.
0: So, so really, honesty is directly linked to trust. Yes, and we know leaders. We know that leaders um, need that trust. Yes, they need that trust. All right. So the next statement that to you best describe authentic leadership?
1: I think the other thing that that is so important uh, from an authentic leadership point of view, and it's something that I did touch on, is this congruency. That what you decide, your judgments about things, the way you think about it, the way you formulate your vision, that there's congruency there. So it's not fragmented. So it, it goes back to trust. Uh, And it goes back to honesty. But that there's congruency. People have a sense of without expecting the leader always to be exactly the same because we, leaders are also human. Leaders also have days where they feel stronger or weaker or more stressed or less stressed. But there's congruency in this path that the leader has chosen. So if my value today is for integrity, the value today uh, tomorrow is also going to be for integrity. Um, so it doesn't fall apart. So there's okay. alignment, congruency.
0: Congruency. Yeah, that it, will it, also impact the trust, a certain, yes. the professional trust as yes. opposed to the vulnerability trust as we speak of it. Yes. Uh,
2: Louis, quick comment on that? What I appreciate. Obviously, one can see the close connection with honesty. Um, doctor, also the fact that congruency um, generates a, a, a spirit of order. Yes, you know, of reliability, of yes. dependability, etc., which is uh, crucial yes. uh, that people sense that this, this person is the same in that sense. Yes, like we believe religiously, you know, the Lord is, uh, God is always the same. Yes, so that sense of order yeah. can only really be there in a very disrupted world if the leader is congruent. Yes, and that makes perfect sense yeah. as well.
1: The congruency for me is also important from a. Um, if you think of moral guidelines, um, b- often in moral guidelines we have, it may not be the most important element, but one of the ele- elements is fairness. So when we talk about congruency, that there is a commitment to fairness. Uh, what I do today in terms of deciding who may attend a conference is the same criteria that I will be using tomorrow because it's
2: based on fairness. But that, Dr. Uh, draws the question, of political correctness if you Everything done for that motive uh, There's a definite contradiction In what we're saying It's not fair necessarily because it's politically correct yeah. So we're saying things that we don't Necessarily believe deep down mm-hmm. In that sense it kind of uh, Really can, can corrupt your leadership uh, Brand, pretty much so
0: but fairness goes both ways. So we've got to be fair towards the leader. Well, yeah. okay, the leader can also feel bad. The leader can also forget things. Yes. And then the leader needs the humility and the strength to, to yes. admit and to apologize. Yes. Thank you. Dr. Yopi de Beer, uh, let's look at uh, another principle that to you best describe authentic leadership.
1: I think the third one for me would be to thine own self be true. It goes to the honesty. It goes to the trust that people have or don't have in you. But with that goes therefore it 's not playing games. it is not playing games basically to persuade people to your own opinion just because the the game is enjoyable. So it does go to corporate politics, for instance mm. um, and and in that regard, I often have a perception that some of those games are manipulative, and I think a person that is authentic uh, may persuade and may negotiate, by all means it's part of leadership, but I don't think it should be manipulated.
0: Okay, and that does play to authenticity and the trust, as you say. Uh, we, we, we look at our political leaders, and there's so little trust in them because they play games, and we never never trust fully their agendas and, and what are they honestly um, trying to achieve. So to thine own self be true. I guess it also plays to knowing myself. So what am I true to? We had this conversation last night, actually, here with one of our colleagues whose birthday it was. Louis, final comments on that specific authentic leadership principle?
2: Well, again, one can't see um, this principle of not playing games to to, to be separated from the first two, honesty and congruency. Uh, I think there's a beautiful wholeness, a, a instinctive, intuitive feel this, this is really what leadership should be about That you look yourself in the mirror That you can live with yourself That you don't have to um, reinvent your principle <laughs> all the time You need to renew yourself So I think this principle of not playing games uh, uh, It takes a lot of emotional maturity though to do that But what a, what a privilege it is to come across people That you realize they don't play games they got a lovely sense of humor etc But they don't play games Why? Because they're honest and also because they're congruent in that sense. So that ties in perfectly with the first two, I think. All right. Let's go to that
0: article, Negative Consensus on Leadership Among South Africans Calls for Resilience. In essence, what prompted you to write this article? Was it late last night? Were you up in Africa somewhere, uh, woke up one morning early and said, I've got to write this? or just what, what prompted this article?
1: That is a really good question. I think um, I'm a kind of person that mulls over things. Um, I'm also addicted to uh, journalistic articles, and we are confronted the whole time with everything that is going wrong. So anything from your political murders right through to corruption. And it is really essential to consider – And I've been, as I say, thinking about that for a long time. How do we help all of the people on the receiving uh, uh, side of what could be referred to as, in some cases, uh, toxic leadership? How do people in such a climate or such a culture, how do they or we survive that? How can one somehow provide them with an understanding or some tips That could give them a perspective on how to deal with this because the human reaction when you're in a context similar to what we describe or what I'm describing in the article, the human reaction goes to the way our brains are structured. Yeah, right in the middle of the brain, we've got our emotional center. The emotional center, when you start being anxious or you are scared or whatever, your first response is it is either to fight or to flee. And I think – and with that, we can't judge that. It's the way we are all hardwired. So I think many people, in fact, when you listen to their stories around a bri or uh, at a birthday party, as you were mentioning a while ago, the first response actually is one of how could we flee? And uh, of of course, fleeing a difficult situation can take all kinds of forms, mm. um, just pure denial to real immigration. This is just becoming too much for me. Um, fighting would be, uh, well, quite honestly, how can we do this? And once again, it's a whole spectrum. The, the, the spectrum could include um, let's get together and let's plan something untoward, um, which is not what we want in the country. So the question for me in writing that article was acknowledging that we are really in an extremely unique, difficult context, one that will probably from a leadership perspective be analyzed for decades into the future. What actually happened? What can we learn from what happened in South Africa? But how do the many really just good people in the country, what can we say about making them resilient um making sure that they the the one uh, uh, book that was recently published on grit how do you make sure that you're strong enough to actually be able to deal with this mm. without fighting or fleeing
0: because as you sketched the, uh, this morning i saw someone copied me in on a tweet saying, so, saying something like 75% of employees worldwide are not engaged yes fully engaged in the in the corporate environment, yes. in, in the business environment. And that's horrific yes. <clears throat> because we know that leads to all kinds of things. Yes. Um, that leads to flight or negativity or passivity or all those sort of things. You mentioned things like um, uh, all over the world, trust in leadership is at an all-time low. Yeah. So there's a huge trust deficit, right? Yes. Uh, and I understand why. Mm-hmm. Leaders are promising things and they aren't delivering Partly because the world is so crazy and so unpredictable and so yes. dynamic. I yes. can't promise to build a million houses anymore yes. or to give this return on investment or yes. um, to say that the share price will improve by that. You know, I can't say those things too yes. easily, but there's a trust deficit. And then you mentioned up to 75% of employees internationally report that their manager or their leader is the worst part of their job. Yes. And then I'm, let me add. That seventy-five percent employees are disengaged from yeah. the work environment. They go there like robots, and they just do what they need to yes. to pull the pa- to to get the salary check and to pay for their family yes. and do fun things outside the environment. I yes. won't be happy at work, but I might as well be happy outside work, and so I can go on and on. Yeah, that's a horrible situation to yes. find ourselves in. Yes. Let's just comment on that for a moment. Yeah, that's what we we're dealing with.
1: Yeah. So the vast majority of people actually are not happy with the leaders that they work for. And if we unpack that, the 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 research indicates to us that there are particularly, it's not the only two, but particularly two reasons for them to criticize leadership. So there are many, but the two specifically deals with integrity. The one, I do not perceive that this leader can be trusted. This leader, what the person says and what they actually do is not the same. Uh, If we think of the Ethics Institute here in South Africa, they define uh, integrity as what do you do when nobody's looking? And when you're an employee and you have a perception of this leader, when I'm not looking, I wonder what he's actually doing. So a perception of low integrity in whatever form it takes. The second second, uh, 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 piece of information that is, often provided is the way people are dealt with. So this goes to interpersonal cap- uh, capacity and capability. It is not being able to work with the diversity in the workforce, whether it's your generational diversity, your gender, uh, ethnic differences. But that leadership often f- seemingly find it difficult to have the social skills or the ability to actually work with people. And this is where you find maybe a culture of, uh, shoot from the hip. I catch people out. Uh, I criticize. I, you know, that, oh. that there's no sitting down listening. And I'm really not talking about the leader have to, uh, having to be listening all the time, but you can't do leadership without having an sense of understanding of where the people that work with you and for you, where they are at. You need to have some understanding of that.
0: So broader context is challenging. Then then in general, certainly my view is in most countries, definitely in South Africa, and people could argue in America and in Europe and other places, there's an overall toxic environment that infiltrates the workplace. So how do I, as as a leader of this workplace, Um, protect my people, create a barrier almost, a filter between that negative, toxic environment infiltrating our business because I want my people to be happy and comfortable and uh, optimal thinking environment. I want them to perform well. I want them to be happy. I want them to enjoy coming on a Monday morning. But but there's so much negativity that they drag with them into the work environment. You can't keep it all blocked out, but you can filter it somewhere. Is that what we're saying here? The kind of leadership that firstly has the vision that despite what's going on out there my people must be happy how do I create that environment knowing that I can't block off everything um, and then the principle of it starts within yeah. so maybe as a leader I can do everything under the sun pay my people well listen to them do all those things but chief, if Dr. Yopi Dabir doesn't want to be inside mm-hmm. within her mm-hmm. self want to be happy then I can't do anything about that yeah. so that balance
1: mm-hmm. just comment on that Um, I would start by saying leadership is a highly complex activity more complex than than many people think. That's why it's more than the position and it's more than your character traits. It's actually being strong enough and knowing yourself well enough to know where your strengths are and where your dilemmas are. What your mood of that day is, because your mood as leader is highly contagious to the people around you. So with, with that, I'm also not saying you should always be happy, but you need to be congruent and honest uh, in that. So I think the the role of leadership is... Is not an elitist thing It is a highly complex thing Where you're actually serving Helping, supporting, guiding A group of people Now from that point of view Your self-knowledge is where it all starts You need to understand As I say where you're coming from And you also need to understand what your impact is On other people around you We're now talking climate We're talking culture Mm. So if you can as a leader Really have the intention to be a uh, congruent trustworthy person with integrity although you are human too so nobody talks yeah. about a robot um it really is important that people trust you that they feel safe think of maslow's hierarchy yeah. if people feel that they are attacked they uh, are insecure uh, they don't know whether the the boss will take them out tomorrow so you need to help people build that hierarchy, the Maslow hierarchy, in terms of safety, security, a sense of us. And then we get to confidence and loyalty um, in terms of the self-actualization. So okay. on the leadership shoulder lies an enormous amount yeah. of responsibility, especially today with uh, innovation, disruption. You don't know whether your product is still going to be uh, necessary in whatever 10 years to
0: come. We don't have a lot of time left, and I, I, I know uh, the old man wants to comment, but also this last principle takes a whole show, perhaps, to say you need an attitude of not just surviving, but thriving. Yes. And the argument is in today's world, yes. uh, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. We're just maybe exiting a, 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 a recession, and mm-hmm. I can go on and on about all the negative and mm-hmm. challenging situations we find ourselves in. So how can you have an attitude of Wanting to thrive rather than mm. survive, it, it's, uh, what do they say, you buck the trend, yeah. Mm. But do you want to comment quickly, uh, Louis, and then let's end off two minutes with this principle, mm.
2: which, as I said, requires its own show. How do you leave? Because, uh, unfortunately, Doctor, you mentioned various uh, principles that each one we should really discuss. Mm. So from that point of view, I think we should move on.
0: Just comment on this one, then let's wrap it up. I mean, just don't just survive but thrive.
1: Um, I think of Napoleon many years ago. He's quoted as saying, a leader should be a dealer in hope. Yeah. So when I talk about thrive, or we talk about thrive, I don't necessarily primarily imply that it's immediately a financial growth of whatever is wonderful and ideal. But thriving can be, um, take a different form where we enjoy coming to work, where we're actually loyal, where we come, remember, a positive work environment, people, feel more free to be creative they become more engaged they look for solutions to dilemmas All of those things can create a work environment, and the leader should reinforce that, strengthen that, guide in that, where people actually thrive, even if it is in terms of what I learn, uh, what potential there is for our business once we get through the recession. So not to be unrealistic, not to be a dreamer. There's a lot of reality that is extremely difficult. But a leader should be a dealer in hope. And if you can be a dealer in hope, that is realistic. I think most people would have a sense of we're going somewhere.
0: So that's uh, – I, 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 I'm fascinated by this point, funny enough, because th- there's something to say for when things are hopeless. Mm-hmm. You don't even just deal in hope, but you say we're going to do the impossible. Mm-hmm. We're going to totally buck the trend. Mm-hmm. We, we live in a world, um, Europe, where – where industries are going down, industries mm. are, 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 are coming down, crashing, mm. yet other industries are booming, mm. the digital age. Mm. So we've got old economy, new economy. Mm. We've got this internet of things. Mm. Again, we, we I work with leaders who are just in a wonderful space. They mm. are conquering the world, and then mm. in other places they are retrenching and suffering mm. and thinking the whole world is coming to an end. Mm. So, So if you can combine the scale of what you have with the new thinking of the digital age and technology and all that, then it it is possible. We have these wonderful examples of who's the South African overseas. um, Who's changing the world. What's his name? So, so well-known electric cars and all that. Um, It'll come now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he strikes me as someone that that looks at Musk. That's right. He looks at, the 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 end result this is the dream yeah. now let's work backwards and make it happen yeah if yeah. it means that we have our own satellites in the sky or the facebook guy yeah. um you know we, we let's circumvent governments yeah. people people are doing impossible things yeah. in 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 recessions mm. in a world that's that's got uh, you know that's not economically so 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 thriving at the moment. Mm. So I, I, I like that principle, and I think there's something I, I believe in impossibility thinking mm. rather than possibility thinking. Mm. We so easily say, let's look at the possibilities. Mm. No, look at the impossibilities, mm. and then go for them. Mm-hmm. And, and that counter, you know, it's counterintuitive to being realistic mm. and, and and to all those other principles that we are often taught. I don't know if you want to comment on that before we go to some other points.
1: Um, I think one or two things I'd like to say about that. Um, the previous CEO of uh, EOH, and I, I'm so sorry I forget his name at this point, a wonderful person, did a presentation that I listened to, and he was saying, in amongst everything that seems to be collapsing and things that we had gotten used to big companies and they don't exist anymore, he says what you should be doing is to see the amazing opportunity in all of that. So to some extent... Uh, when things in a company becomes too comfortable, you should be extremely worried because in the current context, you should be looking at innovation alternatives and there should always be an element of not being comfortable um, and that stretch yourself in terms of new opportunities, new alternatives. Something else that that links to that that's slightly different, I think of a uh, um, – This is a very well-known psychologist, Seligman. He was very well-known, is very well-known for his thoughts on positive psychology. And he confronts us. He says, do you want to know whether you're an optimist or a pessimist? He says, just use the following three guidelines. He says, pessimism has three, the three Ps of pessimism. If you are a person that actually, the first P is permanence. If you're a person that feels when things start changing, oh, my goodness, this is going to affect us permanently. We've got no place to mm-hmm. go. In contrast, the optimist says, this is a blip on a graph. What are we a- are going to do about that? Um, what can we do? Okay. The second P of pessimism is pervasiveness. So pervasiveness, its it started with whatever, the Internet of Things, where is this going to, and we don't have a chance. Whereas your optimist says, no. In amongst all of that, um, it's not going to affect our business because I am going to do this and that and the other. And the third one is personalizing. That's playing the victim. Mm. So by playing the victim, you basically also reinforce the pessimism. So for me, in amongst everything at the moment in the world, in South Africa, which pushes us towards pessimism and we reinforce that pessimism in our own lives because around the braai we outdo each other with bad stories and with permanence and with pervasiveness and personalizing actually we should be strong enough to say in amongst all of that what is it that we can do to make sure that we future-proof our business we future-proof our society. But you have to think creatively. You have to know that you must be comfortable with ambivalence, with stretching, thinking. And you have to be comfortable. Some of it will work, work and some of it won't.
0: Okay, but here's the challenge so from a psychological point of view. We also know depression is going up yes. hugely. Yes. So we say people must be... Are comfortable with discomfort, yes, all the time. You yes. can never be comfortable. Yes, doesn't that play to pushing people more towards depression—the <clears throat> inability to handle this constant discomfort? Yes, as opposed to being a bit at ease at times and yeah. relaxed. Uh, but how can I be at ease with discomfort? That yeah. it, it's a it's a paradox.
1: Yes, it is
0: that we somehow have to train people, prepare people, yes. grow people to be able to absorb and process that.
2: Yeah,
0: it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, the world requires that, but at the same time we see a huge increase in, can I call it, psychological illnesses. I don't know what the, there's another ni- fancier word for it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Depression is epidemic. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, to a large extent, understandable. If we look at terrorism and murders and corruption and all of that, that people start despairing. That's why it is... Really import, important that from a leadership point of view, we understand that and provide possibly opportunities for people to self-understand because even with, as with leadership where it starts with self-understanding for your employees, it also starts with self-understanding mm. and we all hardwired differently. So some people need more security and stability than others.
0: Certainty and all that.
1: Certainty than others. Others really enjoy chaos and ambiguity. And and everything starts by what you know you can learn how to manage. So if I am a person that likes security and stability, to understand that – means that when there is then ambiguity and ambivalence, you will know why you're responding to it in that way. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there will be, be some tools whereby to manage that. Um, but that in itself com- is a whole complex
2: um, conversation,
0: isn't it? Yes. Old man, you've been taking notes, and a few minutes ago
2: you wanted to touch on a few points. One point I wanted to uh, mention, Doctor, is the word resilience. Yes. Because resilience by indi- implication doesn't denote some of the approaches people have. Otherwise, you go and you motivate people. Mm-hmm. You know, you have motivational speakers, etc. Mm-hmm. And often that really is very deceptive yes. and even hypocritical. Because what happens is that resilience uh, indicates that you 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 need to understand the realities yes. as well. But somehow have the character and the processes to never accept. We use the term. Never let a negative expectation in standalone mode. In other words, if you stand it, it will grow a monster yes. before you. So that resilience is one of character and maturity as well. It doesn't mean ignore the problems, but by all means, don't see the world through those eyes. Yeah. And I think the word resilience is very powerful in that sense. Yeah. Not trying to fool people. And sometimes leaders will do that. They give motivational talk or, yeah. or take them on a, on a kind of a... a, a, a Activity yeah. That everybody feels good But quite frankly yeah. Nowadays the very next day They're down the dumps And yeah. that's dangerous yeah. Because you're actually You're raising expectations yeah. And even uh, like in our society A lot of entitlement expectations yes. Man it's so sad to see that yeah. So resilience is a lovely word Audion. You know it's one that's filled with character But mm. also some hard work yeah. And the truth is that we speak of the law of resistance. We say all movement mm. is accompanied by resistance. Mm. And if you don't face up to resistance, you can't be resilient as yes. well. So we not try to bluff people here. Yeah. We're saying it's a tremendous privilege yeah. to be able to handle the resistances of life. It really yeah. is. It really is.
1: You see, what's interesting about resilience is that you don't develop resilience by having uh, this Pollyanna-type life. Resilience, most often, like good judgment as well, most often, there is an element of a person having re- resilience because of their makeup. It may just be that somehow their hardwiring helps them. But in essence, res- resilience is develop- developed by having gone through sometimes really difficult circumstances, but the way you deal with it is to say, what can I learn from it? What could I do better? So that next time around, I can anticipate uh, what is the best judgment to make, or what is the best decision to make. So it comes through the school of hard knocks often Doctor, to we, develop that. We resilience. really find,
2: and we've interviewed conversations with hundreds, especially in my case, we've written articles, uh, couple of hundred published but quite frankly uh, i can't think of an authentic leader that's not gone through difficult times yes in some form or other yes. so that is a very it's almost a basic requirement yes some people are hardwired they just naturally that way yeah. well it, very few people are that way yes but I actually agree. it's a very hard knocks that that builds that kind of character resilience yes. what you speak about yeah. i think
0: but but i want to come in here and say the challenge we have is for leaders to take the time mm. to analyze it yes to revisit it to, to actually take the learnings and put it in their concertina file yeah. so they can draw back on that when they yeah. when they need it in the future. I find leaders go through incredible experiences but they don't have time to to view it as such. Yeah. It's just another challenge that I can tick the box on, I fixed it and I moved on. I look in the mining industry, you've got fatalities. You've got in the one executive that I work with, they one of their colleagues um was murdered mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. And that's on the back of five fatalities mm-hmm. that they had to deal with at mm-hmm. one mine. But, but guess what? The executives go on. Mm-hmm. They just move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walk in and I sit them down and say, well, what are you taking away from yes. this? So that next time you are more resilient. Yes. And, and that conversation comes up a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, but leaders are too busy to analyze mm. and to absorb and to, to go and place it somewhere in their hardwiring. Yeah. So that they can call upon it again in the future. Yeah.
1: You see, if you really want good leadership, you also have the responsibility to make it sustainable leadership. Mm. It doesn't help that you're charismatic today And that um, you work so hard That you never have time For your family Which is part of resilience Because your family If it's intact Or if you've got support It's part of your resilience Good Could point. be yep. But the, it's absolutely essential In the toolkit for any person And if they've got the benefit Of being able to go for coaching It is absolutely ideal To force an element of reflective thinking Mm. What can I learn from that What does it tell me That doesn't only give them insight Into themselves to make sense Of hardship It also, uh, unexpected consequences Develop a a form of empathy For maybe um, Aspiring leaders going through the same Now if you never Make sense of your difficult Experiences, you miss out On a wonderful opportunity For personal growth
0: I remember it was just at the financial meltdown in America, mm-hmm. I think beginning 2007. I happened to be in Washington, D.C. and I got on the Amtrak and went to New York for one day to interview Gary Crittenden, who mm-hmm. was the CFO of Citibank globally. Mm-hmm. And that's when Citibank was so weak mm-hmm. and their share price so low because mm-hmm. of what happened that F&B here in South Africa could have bought it. Wow. Mm-hmm. They were in absolute turmoil. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting in that high-rise in New York talking to this man who was the CFO and in, in fact leading the bank because mm. there was a very technical mm. issue that dumped them into this chaos. <clears throat> what I wanted to say there, uh, Yopi, was one of the things that helped him get through this crazy time of several months where he hardly saw his family because mm. he had to travel the world and mm. inspire employees and meet with government and mm. be bailed out by by Washington, mm. D.C., was the, the, the sound, intact family. The fact that he had invested with weekly family home evenings and invested in his relationship with his wife and his family. And he could actually almost divorce himself from his family and focus on this and know that that was intact, that he had the support of his family. Yeah. So his resilience went up. Yeah. But now, if you don't have that, yeah. I guess that's also physical. If I'm fit physically, yes. then that'll help me be more resilient. If yes. I'm spiritually fit, yes. if I'm emotionally, uh, yes. intellectually. Yes. So all those things. And if I don't have any of those, then I just won't be resilient no. when, the, when the winds blow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else from this article of yours? I mean, we've, we've continued our conversation. Negative consensus on leadership among South Africans calls for resilience. What else have we not touched on that you think our audience, our leadership, Um, students out there, if I can call it that, and I hope that's from CEOs to presidents of nations. We should all be students of leadership. What else stands out for you that they need to be aware
2: of? Doctor, just comment on the role of good humor, please.
1: Yes, I think the one thing that it, it goes a little bit to what you know you can manage. And many people are talking about joy or hope or happiness, which in essence what they're talking about is trying to manage your mood, because it's so contagious, in a positive way. Um, now, in that regard, and I refer again to Seligman, what I found most useful to understand is when you talk about happiness, just as a... Term in that positive emotion sphere When you talk about happiness We have to remember That there are also three kinds of happiness The one is not better than the other But if we want to be balanced Human beings We should actually endeavor To find happiness on all three of those levels okay, us. And the first level is What could be referred to as the hedonistic level It's the here and now level so happiness in the piece of chocolate cake and nice the meal, flowers, but- the nice meal, um, the birds in the tree, the rain that's falling, it's the here and now, it's very sensory. It is really important um, that we, for a moment, just enjoy what we're experiencing and what we're seeing. Now, many of us are so busy thinking about what else we need to do that we miss that opportunity. It's important to, to learn how to have that discipline to say, I really enjoy this. The second level of happiness goes to the term flow, which is a very well-known term these days. And basically what it means is there are certain activities, sometimes on a hobby level. It could be your work as well. It could be uh, just an interest that you have where you find that you can lose yourself in that activity. Example, maybe... Um, you enjoy working on on old cars and maybe there's an old car in the garage and by the time the wife calls you you suddenly look at your watch and realize but it's 3 hours later i i, I missed lunch or something like that's flow and if you've got enough self-awareness or you go back to allowing yourself to be selectively selfish for moments of self-awareness. Seek for opportunities of flow because it's really important on the physiological level for the endorphins and everything else we know, but on a psychological level to experience the joy, the happiness that those activities bring. The third level of happiness is more of a spiritual a sense of purpose level. Try and find out if if somebody asked you why are you why were you put on this earth what would you say is it that you feel that you want to be the best parent is it that you feel you've created this unique uh, solution to go to Mars uh, is it that you feel that you are you want to work with um, Previously disadvantaged people Make a difference to their lives But go and sit and reflect on that Because if you can What you know you can manage So if you know the moment is important Where do you find flow And where do you actually have that sense Of meaning and purpose then what is implied in that and it goes to your thought about uh, ha- not having time to reflect we have to be selectively selfish and more so when you're a leader, that balance is really important because it re-energizes you, it gives you more energy to solve the problems that you will get tomorrow again
2: I think it's, it's mm-hmm. fascinating, I love your analysis doc, The uh, uh, the concept hits me too that one should be careful of focusing just on one. Yes. For instance, some people are uh, so focused on the flow situation that that's the only way they see they can be happy. Yes. And then they they don't do the reflection to find out what the real mission in life is. And also, they appreciate, they, they politely appreciate, even in the midst of pain, uh, appreciate the beauty. That's why people, countless people, prove to us they can have cancer, etc and yet they remain positive yes. and so on. So, all three levels is a A very nice indication of the kind of happiness we should seek. Mm.
0: Good. And how do you, in the context of your article, a lot of negativity around, as a leader, I want my people to be happy in the moment, to have those moments where they're happy. That's maybe when we go out for a staff meal or go for a quick walk outside or just in my connection with you. Yes. Uh, The flow. Are people happy enough in their job that they would get lost in it for a few hours? Yes. Uh, I've had that writing an article, maybe, Time Flows. I'm sure you did with Mm -hmm. this article. Mm -hmm. And then, as you say, the the last one is that sense of purpose. Businesses try to bring in the sense of purpose, don't they? It's the whole thing of our mission. And um, it usually doesn't filter all the way down. Mm -hmm. But that was powerful, uh, Mm -hmm. what you shared with us there. Okay. So a lot of food for thought in our conversation First, talking about authentic leadership, and then this article of yours. Anything else that you want to get out to leaders? There, what do you want to get out to our leaders? Uh, and also, perhaps let's end off with a k- couple of views you have across the boundaries, because your business goes to other parts of Africa.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do all of these things we discuss now apply to any environment, or do you pick up any do you pick up differences at all in in the different cultures from of different countries?
1: Um, I can say less about Different uh, cultures in different Countries I am convinced it's different But I can't tell you that I've been close Enough um, Let's say in Kenya our partners Work there so I'm not mm. as close as, as they are but I'm convinced It's different but what I think is a Common denominator across the Different businesses is The leader has a massive Impact on the climate Eventually the culture of the Organization mm. So I think it is really important if I can use the analogy it's like a pilot in a, a big one of these big planes. That pilot is expected to make to, to make sure that they look after themselves physically. They are selected on the basis of their um, call it mental stability If you want to Or psychological stability And then highly knowledge- knowledgeable And competent So it's really important As leaders we are all pilots With people that trust us To to take them with us In a specific direction Please look after yourself There is no way that leadership Can just go on With 18 hours every day um with no balance, with no reflective thinking, um, not investing in the family, for instance, um, because the resilience at some point, whether it's going to be on the physical level or on other levels, will start being depleted. So it's really important to look after yourself.
0: Can we just take a few minutes on what's on my mind a lot of late? Uh, and it's, it's a real-life experiment for me. Uh, in January this year, as a family, we sold here. Yeah, we have a place next to Kruger National Park. We moved there. Yeah. Okay. So I travel back and forth, and the kids are doing homeschooling. We have animals coming up to our doorstep. Mm. We have lions down the by the mm. crocodile river. Mm. It's, it's a, everyone thinks idyllic lifestyle. Mm. Well, it's not always. That's a place where things bite you. You know. Mm. It's, uh, it's the reality. Spiders and snakes. Spiders yeah. and snakes, and mm. I always come back with a bite. But mm. but it is phenomenal, mm. and and it strikes me as one of the most authentic places you can find. The mm. animals are authentic. The bush mm. is authentic to its purpose. Mm. Uh, the the quiet, the sounds, mm. the music. It's just a most amazing mm. place, and and we're grappling with how we can take leaders there. Mm. I'm not talking team builds at all. Mm. I'm totally and beyond Mm. team builds. Mm. But how do we take leaders on a deeper, more authentic journey to find themselves at a deeper level, Mm. unprecedented level Mm. than ever before Mm. so that they can become more resilient, so that we can ask them deeper questions than ever before, Mm. so that they spend a week or so there Mm. quiet, in Mm. absolute peace and quiet to Mm. find themselves as they never have before and to walk away from there, combining the authentic environment with mm-hmm. the authentic journey, mm-hmm. and to walk away from there back into the often unauthentic rat race mm-hmm. that we find ourselves mm-hmm. in back mm-hmm. home in the city, mm-hmm. and, and be better leaders. Mm-hmm. Just your comment on that, the the difference if we can get that right, mm-hmm. and bring leaders from all over the world into that authentic environment, mm-hmm. and they go on their game drives, personal game drives, mm-hmm. While they think about these things, once a day they have their two hour session where they just think intensely about it. Um, what can that do, do you think, for the soul? I, I don't know if you want to comment on that.
1: I would think it's absolutely essential. I think the, 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 the dilemma is going to be, um, exactly what you referred to before, that very often your leaders are people who work extremely hard. Um, they will sacrifice a lot. Uh, if it's a responsible, healthy leader to make sure that the company survives and that people are comfortable and secure. So your good leader is really going to take the responsibility plus, um, additional responsibility. The, the, the good leader is also going to be somebody which, who, if you say to that leader, I'm going to take you away to relax, their first response is going to, probably going to be, listen, I don't want to be away from my responsibilities. Um, on a physiological level, they're highly activated in their brains as well, task-orientated. Things need to be done. There's a sense of urgency. So the total contrast between that and being in the bush will probably be the reason for resistance, not because on an intellectual level it doesn't make sense. Yeah on the other hand though if one could persuade them to do that because it's an opportunity to make sure that they that they actually replenish their energy levels confirm their self-awareness because the self-awareness typically when you work very hard that's the thing that disappears mm. as you said you don't have time to go and spend um, unnecessary energy there so if one could could make the case to such leaders how essential that is to make sure that they survive and remain effective what the damage could be if they burn out and then there's a real catastrophe in the company right. so rather than get to that point make sure that they that they have this opportunity to really uh, mm-hmm. regroup Um, Because what we know If the mood goes up When you start relaxing The endorphins are You become more creative You become more positive In terms of problem solving The harder you work The more tired you become The closer you are To pessimism and despair More Mm -hmm. easily you go Into that black hole
0: Okay, old man uh, Final comments And then I'll ask Dr. Yopi to be here For just Almost a final tip To leaders out there to, To end off with
2: Persuading uh, good leaders to do what you say is also based on the trust relationship. think you fortunate that you've got some very really good trust relationship out there? Um, the next step then is worthwhile because, quite frankly, we've been spending some time ourselves out in the bush. Gee, it it fosters all these concepts. It just. We sat right near the uh, river discussing these principles And really it sharpens your mind mm. just brings you back to the real realities of life Even the fact that you don't see it but there's lions around here And so on It's beautiful and authentic And life is very much It uh, strongly supports the idea of resilience as well You can't look, uh, live there without being aware of the dangers And yet the beauty comes through as well And your own strength if you are prepared to face it mm final comments to leaders
1: I think the one thing I can say to leaders first of all to acknowledge I don't think ever we've had the levels of complexity and demand and stress and strain and challenge that we have now both on the on the desk of the the leader or the shoulders of the leader but also of the people working uh, people very close to despair, people very worried, people very insecure. So the responsibilities of the leader, particularly in the people management area, in addition to finances and products and innovation, all of that, but but managing the people component, I don't think it's ever been as complex and as difficult. But to be able to manage all of that effectively, you need to be – in the good sense of the word, selectively selfish, you have to look after yourself on every level, whether it's physically, psychologically, spiritually, but on every single level, you have to really jealously guard your own energy.
0: Dr. Yopi de Bier, CEO of JVR Africa Group. Good luck with growing your business further. I mean, you've been going 24 years. I'm sure there'll be another 24 and maybe even more um, if I had to make that rhyme. It's been a privilege having you on our leadership platform. Uh, the leadership platform and on our leadership masterclass and we look forward to sharing it with the world and the old man thank you so much and we look forward to joining all of you again or for you joining us every single monday 12 to 1 on our leadership masterclass on cliff central cheers everyone this is cliffcentral.com